Scripture says that God our Savior desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But what is the truth? And how do we gain that knowledge? The answer to these questions and more in today's edition of Faith with Father. Living Bread Radio presents Faith with Father, a program aimed at teaching today's culture the truth about the Catholic faith. And now here's your host, Tim Perry. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Faith with Father. I'm your host, Tim Perry, and with me today in studio is Father Nicholas Mancini, currently the pastor of Sacred Heart of Mary Parish in Louisville, and he's also the spiritual director for us here at Living Bread Radio. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Tim. It's great to have you here again. Thank you. We're going to continue our discussion from the UCAT, the Youth Catechism of the Catholic Church, about what we believe as Catholics. Mm -hmm. And we've been discussing the Ten Commandments, and we're going to continue our discussion on the Seventh Commandment, Thou shalt not steal. And it really covers a lot more ground than just stealing, per se. Right. And uh, we're going to continue with question 436 of the UCAT, which asks, How should we treat the environment? Okay, we fulfill God's commission with regard to creation. When we care for the earth with its biological laws, its variety of species, its natural beauty, and its resources as a living space and preserve it so that future generations can live well upon the earth. Um... I think when we look in the book of Genesis, God says, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. Uh, we see this in Genesis 1.28. Uh, the beauty of God's creation is the beauty of what He gives mankind. And we should preserve and protect the environment in the beautiful way which God has intended for us to do so. Uh, once again, we look in the scripture, uh, Genesis 2.15, The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. Uh, our farmers, you know, the beauty of farming, the production of uh, food, uh, and what these men do. You know, the beauty in which they produce from the good of the earth, uh, the harvest, and so on. All of these things are the beauty of God's love for his creatures on earth. And we should treat the environment with due respect and, and the beauty in which God has intended it. You know, it reminds me that everything we have is a gift from God including our own bodies. We talked a, a few weeks ago about mm -hmm. how even our own body isn't ours, so to speak. Right. It, it's a gift from God, and we're supposed to treat our own bodies with respect and mm -hmm. with love, uh, especially since we're made in the image and likeness of God. Same thing with the earth and the environment. It's a gift from God that he's given us. We have a responsibility to take care of it and to be responsible in the resources that we use. That's correct. Yes, indeed. So, uh, question 437 of the UCAT asks, how should we treat animals? Animals are our fellow creatures. We should care for and in which we should delight, just as God delights in their existence. Animals, too, are creatures of God. It is a sin to torture them, to allow them to suffer, 
to kill them uselessly. Nevertheless, man may not place love of animals above love of man. Um, the beauty of St. Francis, I think, here comes into mind. You know, his love for the animals, uh, how he embraced them, the beauty of God's creation in the animals. St. Anthony was another one. He would sit by the lake, and when people wouldn't listen to him, he would speak to the fish. And they tell the story about the fish coming up out of the water and Anthony just speaking to them. The beauty of, you know, the love that they had for these animals, creatures of God. Uh, Francis, you know, uh, in showing his love for the creatures of God and allowing animals to come to him and to embrace them and love them. This is another way in which God shows mankind the beauty of love in relationship to environment, to animals, and to how we treat God's creation on this planet. St. Francis even was able to communicate with, with animals. Oh, uh, yes, said, yes. That he could actually talk to them. Mm -hmm. and they would listen and understand what he said. Right. Okay, here's a, here's a quote from Pope John Paul II. You are rightly committed to protecting the environment, plants, and animals. Say yes, even more decisively, to human life, which is the hierarchy of creatures, ranks far higher than all other created realities of the visible world. So there's a, there's a quote from our Holy Father. Yes. So let's move into uh, and talk about the uh, social teaching of the Catholic Church. Why does the Catholic Church have her own social teaching? Because all men as children of God possess a unique dignity. The Church, with her social teaching, is committed to defending and promoting this human dignity for all men in a social sphere. She is not trying to preempt the legislate or legitimate freedom of politics or of the economy. When human dignity is violated in politics or economic practices, however, the Church must intervene. The joy, the hope, the grief, the anguish of men of our time, especially of those who are poor or afflicted, in any way are the joy and the hope, the grief and the anguish of the followers of Jesus as well. This is from the Second Vatican Council. In her social teaching, the Church makes this statement as she asks, How can we take responsibility? for the well-being and the just treatment of all, even non-Christians. What is a just organization of human society of political, economic, and social institutions supposed to look like? In her commitment to justice, the Church is guided by a love that immolates Christ's love for mankind. So then, how did the Church's social teaching develop, Father? Well, Catholic social teaching was a response to the economic problems of the 19th century. The industrialization had led to an increase in prosperity. The ones who profited from it were primarily factory owners, while many people sank into poverty as laborers with practically uh, no rights of from this experience, communism drew the conclusion 
that there was an irrecoverable opposition between labor and capital, which must be decided by class war. The Church, in contrast, advocated a just balance between the interests of laborers and those of factory owners. And, you know, this, uh, I remember in the life of um, Blessed John the Twenty-Third. When he was secretary in Bergamo to uh, Archbishop Redini Tedeschi, there was a labor strike. And the bishop asked the people, you know, they were not being treated fairly. And he went to their aid. They were not, you know, given just wages. And they were hungry and starving, and the people were complaining. So he intervened. And he fed them. He gave, you know, what he could to help settle this problem. And he was ridiculed back then for it. And then later, the Pope, when he found out the justifiable cause for this strike and what was being done to these poor people, he said the bishop acted justly because he saw the needs of his people. They were hungry. They were starving. They were not being given a fair wage. And so he acted justifiably. Him and uh, Angelo Rincali, who was his secretary at the time, who later becomes uh, Blessed John the Twenty-Third. So we see how the church then moves into this realm of justifying everything for the common good. Okay, great. Now also part of the Seventh Commandment, are the uh, corporal works of mercy that the the UCAT talks about, as well as the spiritual works of mercy. So question 450 asks, what are the corporal works of mercy? Okay, the corporal works of mercy, and I know a lot of times we ask this question, if you would ask people what they are, perhaps some know, some have forgotten them. But the corporal works of mercy are to feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit the sick and imprisoned, and bury the dead. These are the corporal works of mercy. Now, the spiritual works of mercy are to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, comfort the sorrowful, admonish the sinner, bear wrongs patiently, forgive all injuries, and pray for the living and the dead. Now, we have charitable organizations that incorporate these and do do them. Uh, You have Mother Teresa's uh, sisters uh, that do this. You have St. Vincent de Paul societies. You have parish organizations that perhaps do these things. Um, When we look at the uh, church extension societies that help people, Uh, We look at our charitable organizations within the church, the uh, collections we take uh, for the homeless and so on, uh, for those who suffered devastations from earthquakes and all the rest. We contribute to these programs to help feed the hungry, to provide clothing and shelter for the homeless that have lost everything. We have our uh, people that visit the sick, do prison ministry, 
and of course those that bury the dead. Sometimes we forget funeral directors have a hard job. They are the ones entrusted. We entrust to them our loved one who has passed. And so they make the preparations to bury our loved one. And sometimes they run into situations where there are horrible accidents and so forth. And they have to then, you know, take that body, treat it with dignity and respect, prepare it, and then sit with the family and counsel them and help them in their grief, along with the minister or priest. So we have to think of our funeral directors that do this type of work as well, because they are dealing with it, and they have to know how to speak to people in time of grief. The spiritual works of mercy, our educational institutions, all the programs we have, um, the great sacrament of reconciliation to draw people back to the faith. There's so many things that the church offers that we can do to practice the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. And all we need to do is look into our parishes, to look into the programs that are out there, and to bring them to fruition. And again, these are very comforting and helpful, even to non-Catholics. I know at our St. Vincent de Paul Society, 95% of the people we help who are in the community are not Catholic. Right. So again, it's a way that we can be Christ to others. Yes. All right. You've been listening to Father Nicholas Mancini on Living Bread Radio and Faith with Father. This has been Tim Perry, your host, reminding you that God loves you more than you can even imagine. Until next time, God bless you. This has been Faith with Father, a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. For an audio archive of this program, log on to livingbreadradio.com and click on Faith with Father. If you have a question or comment about today's program, email us at askfather at livingbreadradio.com. And join us again next time for another edition of Faith with Father.